This is a podcast brought to you by The Stress Times and The Business Times. This is The Business Times Singapore Budget 2019 Roundtable Discussion, brought to you by OCDC. Finance Minister Heng Sui Kiet has delivered his budget speech. Business Times Wealth Editor Genevieve Chua speaks with four industry leaders to get their take. Good evening. Uh, welcome to BT's uh, 2019 Budget Roundtable. And I want to thank all the participants for coming in. So I'll just introduce them briefly. Um, Larry Sim, to my left, is KPMG tax partner. Uh, Selena Ling is head of uh, Treasury Research and Strategy at OCBC Bank. Eugene Tan is Associate Professor of Law for um, SMU. And Kurt Wee is president of the Association of Small and Medium Enterprise. So um, <clears throat> let's start off with, uh, I'd like to hear from each of you, maybe in a, briefly, what do you think of this budget? What, what do you see as the, how do you describe this budget, especially to your constituents, the main thrust of the budget? Let's start with uh, Larry. Okay, to me, I think this budget is really about addressing uh, the needs and challenges of businesses and as well as uh, workers uh, in the face of uh, uncertainty in the global economies. Mm-hmm. And I, I think um, it is, there are two main trusts there, which is uh, three main trusts, but two targeting a lot more on the businesses and the individual. Mm-hmm. I think uh, for the businesses, I think the message is clear. Uh, businesses will need to innovate, uh, be able to transform, and be able to be productive and you know, come up with uh, innovative solutions and different business model to in, in the face of uh, digital disruptions. Mm-hmm. And for the individual, I think um, it is about you know, individual taking into um, uh, account its um, trading, trading needs to upskills um, themselves to be able to stay relevant and to be able to move forward uh, together with the nation. Well, I think uh, this budget is probably a crowd pleaser in that there is something for everyone. Um, I think the message that was sent on total defence was uh, very important. I think the fact that they are allocating 30% of expenditure to defence and the adding of uh, cyber security to the sixth pillar of defence, I think sends a very strong signal of uh, the need, you know, like what Finance Minister Hing said, one of uh, determination, grit and uh, deterrence as well. I think for individuals, um, in terms of like basic issues like healthcare and education, I think healthcare in particular, a lot has been alluded to in the run-up to the budget. So the Medeca generation package, actually I thought was more generous uh, than what I had expected. So the fact that they are spending 6.1 billion upfront and uh, more than 8 billion uh, over the lifetime for this particular generation uh, does, I think, go a long way to allay some of the concerns that people have about ageing in Singapore and the cost of healthcare. Mm. I think in terms of the workers' run, um, the emphasis on upskilling and reskilling is also still there. Um, a lot of the efforts uh, that are put in place to try and incentivize the individuals to continue to upgrade, I think this will better prepare Singaporean workers to face the challenges of the new economy. Mm. And then last but not least, I think for the companies as well, I think a lot of the wish lists for SMEs in particular for better financing, uh, for more generous uh, help in terms of uh, going digital. I think a lot of the enhancements of the programs actually will you know, push the SMEs to basically embark on this uh, innovation uh, journey further. Mm-hmm. 
But I think the only sting I see in this package uh, really is the fact that the tightening of the DRCs for the services firm um, basically re-emphasizes the need basically to you know, consider the manpower needs very, very carefully going forward and to focus on productivity improvements. Yeah, we had this uh, pick up from where S Selena left off. I think that the DRCs, I think, was something that um, very few of us expected uh, coming, um, particularly at a time when the domestic workforce has started to shrink. Uh, I wonder whether you know, the, the DRCs, even though you know, it, there is a phase approach to it, um, you know, whether that's going to um, make things very difficult uh, for the companies. I think certainly you know, there is that push which has been ongoing for the last couple of years you know, towards uh, innovation and productivity. You know, and I think in, in many sense, I wonder whether the, the lower DRCs just suggest mm -hmm. that uh, there is some perhaps sense that you know, companies need to be pushed uh, you know, to, to, to increase productivity through you know, automation, through, through the use of technology and I innovation. Um, so, so I think you know, uh, in, in many ways you know, the, the, the budget is, is consistent with previous budgets. Um, you know, the, the emphasis on, on technology again. Um, I think th there's a need now uh, for the government to, to flesh out the details because we have had PIC and all, uh, and I'm not sure you know, whether the, the $1 billion has now been earmarked, you know, uh, whether companies are actually able to tap. You know, so the funds are available, you know, but the, the, the key question is whether companies are able to use it you know, uh, or, you know, or is it just money that's just going to be there uh, in which you know a very select group you know will be able to to, to tap to tap on it. Um, I think the Medeca generation package, um, you know, in, in in many ways that the thunder was already taken away, you know, over the last six months since it was first announced in August. Um, but I think it, it would be welcome. Um, I, I think it's it it, it does um, you know try to assuage you know uh, um, people in the sixties you know over the concerns about healthcare. Um, so I think o overall, you know, it, it, it is a predictable, um, you know, safe budget. You know, I, mean, I, I think the government has more or less uh, figured, you know, what is it that would uh, ruffle the least feathers. And, um, but, but I hope that in future budgets, you know, they, it would be less copious in detail, you know, so that uh, the key thrust, you know, of the budget, you know, uh, would not be lost, you know, amid all, that, all, that, all those details. Well, for me, I think the budget for uh, 2019 for businesses is very much a continuation of some of the previous push. Uh, I think he uses a whip and a carrot approach to really sharpen uh, industries at large. You know, so, so a lot of things are still in the work and still work in progress, whether you talk about transformation, innovation, manpower training. So you know, the budget reflects the continuation of the push in that. There's a lot of uh, positive emphasis on technology, uh, deep tech capability development, uh, uh, workforce uh, deepening of skills. I think all these are going to benefit industry on SG scale up. Uh, so, so I think that's in the right place. If you are a growing SME or if you are tech SME, you'll be account managed and they will put the resources to catalyze your growth and help you grow. Uh, if you're sort of a small, mid-size, you will come under a cluster approach. And if you're small, then, you know, you will come under some of the pre-approved schemes that you can draw down some help of it. There was sharp, clear, there was clearly a, a move away from any mentions of a broad-based scheme. 
and and uh, you know um, what I thought whilst there was a acknowledgement of uh, direction towards G to G B to B FTAs trade alliances, uh, but there was a clear uh, lack in uh, a resounding push, a big push for internationalization, which I think is lacking and overdue. Uh, and, and, you know, we talk about uh, innovating and improving productivity, and, but yields, incremental yields on improved productivity gets less and less because we're not exactly a, a low productivity uh, jurisdiction. So the need for us to extend uh, industries into overseas economic centres is really important from the perspective of growing top line and rebalancing your overall cost base. And we hope that in the Committee of Supply uh, sessions, we'll hear a lot more on uh, internationalisation push. On the cost fronts, I think there was some mention about extension of uh, enterprise development scheme at 70% subsidy some mention on uh, working capital loan extension and uh, SME uh, fund tree, 100 million investment to help SMEs uh, grow. But uh, my gut sense is that, you know, I don't know whether that's substantial enough, uh, given that uh, SMEs are facing potentially a shrinking uh, macro environment whilst facing high costs in Singapore. Uh, given to uh, this year's number, uh, today's number in confirmation as well. And then the other thing is that we might see two or three uh, rounds of interest rates increase this year. So, you know, we need to have buffer uh, and measures in place to maybe uh, look at how we can uh, assist SMEs on the cost side as well. Um, uh, the service industry is not going to welcome the tightening in the DRC. You know, they're already facing a tight situation uh, and it's come to affect service quality and deliverables. Um, so, but, you know, it's still we have, we have to say we appreciate that it was, that 5% was split into two phase and it's going to be implemented over a period of time. Uh, we think that peripheral to that, uh, government should consider extending the uh, uh, currently the seven source country for work permit. So there's a need to look at liberalising, expanding that. I think that has an impact on the spike in S pass. Um, so you know it's a prudent budget. There uh, there are measures from pass and a bit of emphasis on tech, deepening of skills, uh, focus on startups. So I think it's is the right direction. Um, but the message to SMEs is that you, you've got to continue to drive, you've got to continue to push your transformation, up your productivity, get your labour train better trained and, and push the salaries up so that they will help you, otherwise you, you will be left behind. Yeah, so um, on that note, because um, quite a bit of the budget was devoted to this um, deepening of the enterprise, uh, not just uh, you know, in terms of funding, uh, capital uh, going digital. So I wanted to ask, and Kurt has nicely shared this view, but I wanted to ask the rest of you too, do you feel that these these, um, this framework goes far enough or deep enough in terms of actually enhancing Singapore's competitiveness and helping SMEs grow? You know? so, so my view is that um, all this scheme is, is not really new. They are already there. 
I think the question is really um, what kind of help, what kind of, what sort of help can um, the government actually put into in place to sort of better educate the SME, such that they are able to understand the various scheme and going around to uh, apply and getting it approved. I, I think the scheme has been around for years. And, and I think the question is really to make it simpler and easier to um, be widely available to SME. Mm. And um, the part on digital, going digital, I think that's the right directions. Mm. And I think businesses has been looking at it, pushing it. Uh, I think the question will be more of, um, especially for the SME, um, whether they are able to tap on it uh, effectively. I, I think question of implementation costs, question of um, understanding it, having the right skill set, training the workforce, I think all these issues come into play uh, as far as you know, all these um, schemes are concerned to support the enterprise. I think I would tend to concur. I think a lot of the schemes and the focus on SMEs and helping them, whether it's to innovate or move up the value chain or internationalize, have actually been in place for a few years. So my sense is that the message this time round is probably maybe one of tough love, you know, in that, in that actually all the resources and in terms of government policies, they are there. So yes, the government can help uh, smoothen out by, you know, making it a little bit easier to access. So they talk about like uh, one portal where you can access and apply for all those grants and stuff like that. And um, having some customization for the larger corporates, whereas the smaller SMEs may have uh, more uh, adopt a more blanket kind of approach and having the targeted agencies to focus on the different groups. Mm -hmm. So I think my sense is that all the jigsaw puzzles are there. You know, the question is really trying to, like Kurt would put it, push the SMEs to basically embark on this journey. Mm -hmm. And I think that's that's probably the harder question that the SMEs have to answer. Mm -hmm. So whether it's the ITMs or you know the plans, uh, master plans for mm -hmm. each industry, mm -hmm. it's already there. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, so I think when, when you look at this push towards, uh, you know, uh, deep technology and all, I, I wonder whether more could be done in terms of, you know, trying to build capacity, right? So the schemes have been around, you know, something that, that uh, you know, uh, everyone here at, at this roundtable agrees. Um, but I don't think the utilization is as effective as it could be. And, and, and I do not know whether that points to um, SMEs, you know, as well as business people, you know, having some reservation about technology, whatever that might be. I mean, it's, it's strange that, you know, in, in, in a country that aspires to be a smart nation, um, you know, people need to be cajoled, company, SMEs need, need to be cajoled, um, you know, so what is it that's holding it back? And I think so, so long as we don't understand what's holding them back from tapping into, into technology, um, I think you know many of the schemes are just going to be are just going to remain that you know so so you can have these schemes but how are they actually helping uh, you know companies right are, are companies really in a position uh, to take advantage of you know the funds that are set aside for those um, you know so so we 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 are going to really operate on a true track right so you have you know the bigger companies that are able to exploit all these schemes and then you have you know a good number of SMEs you know who who now worry even more about whether you know they will be left um, at the way at, at the wayside and and and, and, and then wait for the for the stick to to come down hard on them. So, Kurt, do you have insight into well, that? I, I think why, I, I you know? do see I do see uh, 
tech development, uh, tech capabilities development that trickles down to the F, uh, to the SMEs. I think some of it comes from ASTAR, some of it comes from the universities, and we do hear of a lot of enterprise that collaborate with uh, some of the university or the polytechnics especially. We do quite uh, hear a bit of active story between the SMEs and the polytechnic scene in tech assistance. Um, but the the uh, I agree with Eugene whether there's enough capacity to help more SMEs, that's one issue. Also, sometimes the relevance of the tech, because the tertiary institution or the research institution is focused on uh, its research or tech development towards its academic direction, but the industry has different commercial. active commercial needs. Yeah. right? So how do you bridge this gap? That, that's one. Uh, if we can do this better, we can help a lot more enterprise. Mm -hmm. The schemes are in place to help companies. Uh, there was some mention about uh, ASTAR getting more active and being a more center, uh, center point of focus for uh, SMEs needing a tech road mapping. I think that's something that's really, really uh, welcome. We feel that SMEs need to look at uh, enterprise road mapping, take a three, five year view on your enterprise, on your enterprise and then take a three, five year view on how your tech is going to evolve and then merge those two and, and then you can implement how your business is going to grow and develop. So, you know, we are telling SMEs to look beyond the one year and really take a long term view because there's trade war, there's this, there's that concern, but you, you chart your growth whether it's how you're going to grow your enterprise, how you're going to in integrate tech into your company, how you're going to digitalize. A lot of companies are already, already are digitalizing, but their digitalization is component. In, in component, it's not connected or it's not interoperable. So it's not what we call a true train digitalization. And I think you will see more fruits of that efforts over the next two years. One, two years, you'll see more and more companies that digitalize from front to back end. Uh, I am quite sure we will get there. There's a lot of will, whether it's on a company or the government to, to push through. Um, so, uh, you know, some of the, the things on transformation uh, uh, and, and push for higher productivity, I think the foundational pieces are already there. But I think what we are lacking is how are we going to bridge in the top line? for the businesses because you can put in all the input dollars. If you don't have the top line to digest this investment and, and the overall balance your costs over a sustainable forward period, that's, that's going to be an issue. So I find that the, the push for internationalization still to be not sufficiently aggressive and not fast enough. Can I pick up on this, this capacity issue? We're talking about more, more than funding, isn't it? It's not just funding, it's the, maybe the infrastructure, the framework for help. I mean, what do you think really is needed? You know? um, is it like maybe a consulting, some kind of framework where SMEs can get more guidance in terms of tapping or you know, in terms of strategizing what they need? I think some amount of hand-holding, uh, at least the sense I get is, you know, I, I, think, I think Kurt is right to say that uh, there's increased awareness. I think you know, o over the last few years, uh, you know, there's been this push, right? So it's all about restructuring economy by 2020, for example, and, and I noticed that, that that sort of has quietly disappeared from, from the headlines. Um, but I think in the end, it's really, you know, how do you get that front, front to back end sort of transformation, right? So not using technology in a, in a piece, piecemeal manner, right? You know, that doesn't really uh, help you uh, take advantage of the benefits that come 
you know, from the use of technology. Um, so, you know, it's something which I don't have, uh, you know, deep insights on, you know, but, but I, I've always been very puzzled by, um, you know, uh, what is it that's holding companies back? Uh, you know, I, I, is, it a, is it a mindset issue, um, you know, or, or is it something else? Right? And, 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 and I have concern about ASTAR coming in. I mean, ASTAR really is about cutting-edge research, um, you know, which may or may not be directly applicable uh, you know, to the SMEs. Um, you know, so again, I know the intent, the intentions are good. Um, you know, but again, I, I'm not sure whether the the A star scientists, you know, whether that fits into their their overall uh, KPIs. You know, because for them, it's really about publishing in top tier journals. You know, um, a, a research with that can be translated into uh, you know dollars and cents. Um, I, I'm not sure whether the the SME issues, you know, with regard to technology, you know, would be uh, you know, a sufficient, uh, you know, challenge, you know, to, to, to this A-star scientist. Just, just a point to sort of uh, add on, um, and I, I, I think it is, I, I do agree with uh, what Kerb and, and Eugene has mentioned. I think the, the greater question will be whether we can create an ecosystem mm -hmm. within the, that uh, framework such that, um, you know, it enables uh, the SME to explore and also embrace the technologies. Um, there are helps, there are various schemes being um, introduced by the government. I, I think what we need to do is really to make those schemes more widely available to them. And in doing so, I think an ecos ecosystem kind of concept would work well because um, a lot of time when we talk to SME, I think the, the, the challenge there is really about understanding um, how, how they can actually support the implementation of the course involved and also uh, looking at what kind of help can, they can actually get in terms of uh, you know, adopting technology or new technology. Mm. Um, as you are aware, all this new technology could sometimes be very complex. Yes. And, and if you talk to the SME and they are not able to apprehend or even understand the complexity of um, going around to do it um, you know and then the, the the other piece of it is really the ecosystem to actually drive the adoption mm. that's where we, we are talking about a whole system that is being put in place the infrastructures arrangement yeah. to facilitate yeah. that uh, adoption yeah. Yeah. so I'd like I, I to think, I think yeah. a positive note on the ecosystem there was a uh, uh, mentioned of uh, strong emphasis towards uh, partnership with TACs, uh, you know, uh, partnerships between MTI and SBF and various other TACs. And, uh, you know, it was very welcome when they talk about that MTI would look at TACs, the strong TACs, and do a five-year road mapping, even seconding uh, public servants into uh, running schemes that, you know, I think that's really needed because trade associations sometimes do need that resource and the push and the support from the government. And, you know, from a trade association ecosystem, you can outreach to a lot of SME. Uh, we already have the SME centre that go to the ground, go to the field and outreach to SME. We already have uh, the Digital Tech Hub from INDA as an ecosystem. I think, you know, what was announced, solidifying the ecosystem with the TEC partnership and doing the five-year roadmap. I think that's something that's really, really welcome today. Maybe I can jump in. I think the capacity building and the internationalization drive actually go hand in hand. Um, the ecosystem is very important for capacity building. I think not only 
by top down in terms of the government putting certain schemes in place. But I think SMEs themselves, uh, you know, between the medium and the small companies, they probably have very different bandwidth on how they want to adopt new tech and you know the new markets that they look at. So a lot of it is actually information sharing, knowledge sharing, having platforms where they can, you know, uh, bounce off ideas, uh, learning from some of the people who have ventured into specific markets. And this is probably one area where a lot of the TACs can come in uh, in a very neutral manner to actually share information about the markets that um, some of these SMEs want to venture into. I think the other idea that probably came up in earlier uh, pre-budget discussions was really the concept of like hunting impacts because if you are a small or medium-sized enterprise, it's a very difficult yes. task and challenge for you to say, I'm going to go and break into this new market um, based on your own company's products or whatever. So I think the model still has to be one where it's either through joint ventures or you are actually uh, cooperating and collaborating with other uh, players, you know, whether it's a uh, cross-field or in the same industry. And then you think about how you're going to bring a new value when you go into a new market. So basically providing a platform to share information. And TAC is quite ideal vehicle, isn't it? Um, yeah, I want to talk a little, a little bit about the DRC, <coughs> the dependency ratio, which <coughs> we know that the writing is on the wall for foreign workers. Yeah. <coughs> this has been talked about for a few years now. And yet there's a little bit of element of surprise here when I, I sense when sometimes talking to some of you and what do you think is the you know uh, the real impact of this and this uh, the counterbalance is the productivity grants but again are we seeing a gap here in terms of you know how to reach out how to actually tap these schemes um, Chris do you want to start I, th I think if you, if you talk about the tightening of the service industry the government is probably looking at you know, do I give so much foreign worker to this sector that generates so much value versus some other sectors that may generate more value? But, but if you look at it, at, at, at every economic makeup would have its high and low value uh, added industries and there are tough decisions to make. Um, when what we see on the ground whether it's an FMB or it's a domestic-oriented service-oriented uh, companies, is that they are already quite staffed for manpower, uh, and cost is not low for them. Uh, some of them have adopted some digital solutions to to sort of get them going. There are those that have successfully transformed. They've got a strong brand, you know. They've got a big consumer base that that spends on their businesses, and they're fine. Uh, but generally, the, the, the service industry, the, the sense is that they, they would like to have more labour. Then at SBF and SBF SME committee, we actually called for uh, no tightening of uh, current uh, manpower. We didn't even call for liberalisation. We just say, please, no more tightening. You know, so status quo. Because our sense is businesses have adjusted to the regime. They've gone through consolidation in 2016, 2017. They've adjusted to it. And, and you know, to, to push them into another round of tightening, it's, it's really going to be tough. Uh, so, you know, you've got the window of uh, this year to, to wean yourself a little bit more of uh, uh, foreign manpower. And you know, but you know, there was a mention about a spike in S pass. 
if I remember correctly. And I think that spike in SPARS could partly be contributed by the uh, seven-source country and work permit. And you've got countries like Hong Kong and Macau in the work permit, seven-source countries. I mean, realistically speaking, it's difficult to hire labour from these countries to come here, you know. So we, for years, have been calling for an expansion of the seven-source countries uh, so that businesses have a bit more flexibility. It may not mean higher numbers. It just means more flexibility in hiring. And, and we think some of that might have been one of the reasons that contributed to the spike in S-Pass. Uh, but, um, you know, so it's good that they gave businesses a bit of reaction time. You know, that's the good thing about it. But otherwise... I think you're prepared to school, right? I'm wondering whether, uh, to what extent you, you push companies to a corner, you see, and, um, and again, is there a gap between... There are schemes that they can tap, but maybe, you know, they don't know how to do it, or what, what do you think? Um, I think it's very much cracking the whip, right? I mean, the, the way you look at it, I think they have tried ways and means o o over the last couple of years, and... I think the sense was, you know, it's not progressing fast enough, and and so the DRC becomes something which is, uh, which they think, you know, will will be that push, right? or at least they believe that it will be an effective push, um, and, and so they'll say, well, you know, even as we make the DRCs more demanding, you know, there is all these funds that are available, you know, for automation and 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 and, and whatnot. Um, so, so it, it's it's really saying you know you need to move away from that dependence uh, on on manpower, and I think in many respects Singapore, Singapore companies tend to love uh, manpower more than uh, you know automation. Uh, again, you know it's one of these paradoxes in in, in in a country where you know we talk about digital digitalization a lot, um, but I see the 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 tightening of the DRCs as you know showing that um, you know. Companies have no other choice. There's no alternative. They have to automate. They have to move to technology, you know, to, to deal with uh, uh, reduce uh, manpower. Mm. Mm. Well, I see think? it as they are turning up the heat on the foreign manpower front again. I mean, to be fair, if you look at it from a multi-year perspective, I mean, all the previous schemes, whether it's PIC or the rest, have actually gone a long way to, you know, plucking a lot of the low-lying fruits on productivity by introducing basic technology improvements for company and into their business models as well. So having undertaken all those uh, productivity enhancing improvements and uh, technology, then the question is uh, maybe it's time to basically give another push in terms of trying to wean, uh, you know, Singapore firms off this foreign manpower dependency. Of course, the timing is key. Um, if you look at the labour market, actually, it's still fairly strong. I mean, uh, unemployment rate is still quite low. So I guess the question is really, can we improve either labour participation or, you know, and I think there was some mention about raising retirement age again. So maybe that will go some way to alleviating the labour crunch. But I guess uh, uh, when it comes to DRC tightening, <laughs> Any time is not a good time or no good. There are no good times. Well, uh, it's never mind, a good time. Bear in mind, they've gone from sixty percent to fifty percent to forty percent, and then now down to thirty-five percent. Right. So you go from sixty to thirty-five. That's almost a uh, almost close. You're getting close to a fifty percent cut off that. So, yeah, that's a. But I must say, from forty to thirty-eight to thirty-five, that's like a yeah, small that's nudge. A, that's very a, small that's nudge. A gentle push. Yeah. 
I'm not sure. <laughs> Could we uh, tackle another note, which is the very generous uh, uh, social and uh, individual healthcare packages? Um, can you share your thoughts on this? I mean, we have the bicentennial uh, package, bicentennial bonus. There's, of course, the Merdeka generation. What, what do you think is the most, you know, what, what significance do you see in this package in terms of short-term and long-term benefit for people? Um, maybe Larry, you can yeah. start. For, for the healthcare side of things, I mm -hmm. think this is something that is expected. Um, the government has been um, looking at measures to basically uh, manage or address concern of healthcare, mm -hmm. rising healthcare costs. I think it's not surprising that uh, there are various measures being um, targeted at those sectors. The Medeca package is largely um, not um, something that is coming to us as a surprise because it was already announced last year. And um, <coughs> the one that comes with a kind of a surprise is the uh, bicentennial bonus, mm -hmm. which is um, quite unique by itself. And, uh, and I think Taking it as a whole, I think certainly this is a very nice uh, package, kind of a bonus to, to the individuals. I think this is certainly a welcome move. I, I think um, it's a pleasant surprise to, to uh, a lot of Singaporeans. Mm. And I think this has to go um, hand in hand in terms of what the uh, government is trying to address, which is uh, on one hand, the rising uh, medical mm. healthcare costs, the other hand, giving um, the support and also the to reward uh, a certain particular mm. group of um, citizens, and and also the bonus basically is to um, you know distribute some of the surplus mm. um, uh, that in terms of the budget to the individual. Mm. I think all in all, I think that's that's a great uh, move by the government. Yeah. I think my take on the social spending <coughs> and the Medeca generation package is a little bit different from Larry. I think the fact that they are still continuing to emphasize social spending is good because um, I think for an aging population, there is a lot of concern about cost of living and this would include things like healthcare. Mm. Um, although my sense is that, you know, what we're seeing is a lot more subsidies and Medisafe type of top-ups and, uh, and uh, cashew life, etc. Um, you know, my question would be, can we tackle also the healthcare costs from the supply yeah. side, you know, because cost containment, I think, is also very yeah. important. Um, in what you know, in a free market, typically the higher the subsidies, the higher, faster the cost may rise, yeah. right? So that's that's one issue of concern for me. Secondly, I think I was a bit surprised by the Medica generation package because to me, I think that it was quite generous. The fact that it's, um, I mean, for life for that generation, but coming in short order after the pioneer generation package. Mm -hmm and silver support scheme. I think the expectation is when is the next package, you know, for those who are even younger than a 50 to 50. <laughs> yes, that's right. <laughs> the, the mentality yeah, will be yeah. people asking, when is our turn, yeah. right? So then the question is, these are big multi-billion dollar packages. So to what extent can we continue to continue to finance this kind of mm. big packages? Mm. And the fact that it basically is across all income levels and for life, um, that mm. sets a certain parameter for raising the hurdle as, uh, in terms of uh, expectations mm. for the next packages to come as well. Mm. And I think um, in terms of um, healthcare spending, um, I mean, it's 
it's good. I mean, as an individual Singaporean, of course, I do welcome more uh, subsidies and more, you know, attention to preventive care and all the rest that goes with it. Um, but as economists, I will always say, well, how are we financing it and who is paying GST. for it? Yeah, so <laughs> I think I think it's quite clear the GST hike is still on the table. Yes. And uh, that means that the owners will actually fall a lot more to corporations that are paying corporate income taxes and to working Singaporeans who are paying personal income taxes. Mm. Or even on the Singaporean uh, consumer, right, who will have to pay through GST. Mm. Yep. I think then, then um, you know, then they'll say there's, there's the NR. NIRC, right? <laughs> but that's a separate issue. No, but but I think you know when you look at the budget, I think it it it, it now looks at uh, you know the economy and society as two sides of the same coin. Mm. You know, so so if you look if you track back you know the budgets over the last few years, um, you know social spending is something that that is now not as taboo as let's say it was 10, 15, 20 years ago. Uh, and, and I think in a way Singaporeans have come to expect. You know that that social spending, you know, will be fairly significant uh, in, in in every budget, and I, in in that sense, I think it makes sense, right? You know, you can't talk about uh, people willing to take risks in the economy if uh, the social safety nets are not strong. Um, so, for the Medeka generation package, you know, I think it will be welcome. You know, I think in a way, the perimeter has also been set right in that it will be funded out of. Uh, the current budget, the, the, the budget, you know, is, is they're not going to tap into reserves or whether present or past. Um, so I think that that is something which, uh, you know, which, which is helpful. But I agree with uh, Selena's point about, um, you know, the more money that we're not putting into the healthcare system, right, you know, you can be sure that suppliers will say, okay, you know, how how can I, how can I extract, you know, maximum mileage out of it, you know. So so in the end, you know, we might be chasing, um, you know, our, our own tails. Um, I, I, I have a different take from Larry about the, the bicentennial uh, bonus, you know, because it, it, it struck me as, uh, you know, trying to find an excuse, you know, to, to, to give away money. Uh, I, I don't know, I just feel that, look, the, bicenten the bicentennial, yes, you know, it, it is something that the government says is, is important, and, and I, don't basically, I don't disagree with that. Um, you know, but I would have liked instead, you know, for, for, um, for that bonus, perhaps, you know, to go into, say, a skills future uh, top-up. Right, because the the the, the bicentennial bonus has some element of restrained generosi generosity, you know, and by that I mean it, it's it's severely means tested as well, right? So I think very few, I mean, or at least a good segment of Singaporeans will not benefit uh, from that bonus, um, you know. So so I would have felt maybe, you know, the push towards you know technology, the push towards lifelong learning, um, you know, a skills future top up would probably be 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 due. I mean, it's five hundred dollars. You know, I, I think for most people they probably expand it on some Korean lessons <laughs> or, or, or or something. You know, so Flower so yeah, yeah, you know, so excuse me, yeah. So um, so I think you know the 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 social expenditures. I I, I think is something which uh, Singaporeans are beginning to to expect. Um, you know, from from the budget, um, but but I felt in the end, you know, this notion of you know the social compact was. Was probably lost in it again. Right? Again, too many details. Uh, people go into that "what's in it for me" sort of mindset, um, and I think we feel to ask ourselves, okay, what is all this spending about in the end? You know, what what are we trying to to achieve? You know, out of these significant expenditures uh, on 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 the social aspects. So I'd like to pick up on that point. I think Larry, oh no, 
Selena put it uh, on the cost side. Uh, when we talk about healthcare costs, which is a big issue, okay, what might you have wanted to see in this respect? Well, I, mean, I think you mentioned use of technology, for example. That's right. Yeah. That's right. Selena, yeah. you go first. Or maybe I can touch on that point. I, I think in, in, in terms of healthcare, mm. trying to managing the rising healthcare costs, I think one of the ways that um, we could look at it is really using technologies. Using, embracing technologies, uh, new technologies to sort of um, um, reduce and manage the health costs. So one of the ways could be, you know, looking at new technology like Internet of Things mm -hmm. that could potentially be used in the um, healthcare sectors. For example, you can actually use sensors mm -hmm. or some sort of available devices that could be um, tagged to the patients mm -hmm. to treat and also monitoring the patient's uh, progress. And, and that, that itself is a technology that can be leveraged mm -hmm. to actually manage the rising health <coughs> costs. So there's one example that, you know, mm -hmm. trying to leverage on technologies mm -hmm. to in, in the healthcare sectors. Mm -hmm. yeah. I think my concern really is um, a little bit like what happened with the preschool subsidies, which is that when the subsidies go up, the fees goes up in tandem. So, you know, it's, it's a question of how public sector, uh, private sector suppliers extract uh, maximum value from the subsidies. But I think a lot of, I mean, when you look at healthcare, actually, a lot of it has to do with government putting in place the necessary infrastructure. Mm -hmm. So it means the, you know, required hospitals, the step-down care, mm -hmm. the aged uh, facilities, the mm -hmm. rehab facilities. So actually, it means probably in the short term, a lot more money that needs to be spent mm -hmm. um, as part of the healthcare infrastructure. And with the healthcare infrastructure, then you probably can have some economies of scale and you can adopt the necessary uh, medical technologies to uh, get you know maximum value out from the healthcare infrastructure. Because if you have a limited healthcare infrastructure that's in place, then it's going to be the demand outstrips supply, and your cost, your 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 price would definitely go up. So it's it's a matter of like a bit like what MOE has done with building their own uh, in-house uh, government-run childcare centers, mm -hmm. and then making sure that the costs are affordable mm -hmm. and hence. You know, there is a better spreading, I would say, of the demand across the supply. So um, I think it's time to kind of wrap up. So let's go around. Uh, you know, we've described this budget as something for everyone, and there's a generous budget. But okay, if you look at you look across the uh, measures that have been announced, what might you have wanted to see that wasn't there? Uh, can we start with maybe with Craig? I think I would have wanted to see uh, uh, more details in the internationalization framework for businesses. There's already a lot of discussions about for post potential formation of overseas note centers, Singaporean overseas communities uh, structured framework whereby you can help outbound SMEs get set up fast, get going fast. I, I'm confident we will get there, but you know. I, it's just uh, a lack of uh, an accelerated mention on, on, on this front that I think it's really quite important for businesses. But at the same time, I think, bear in mind, we're also in quite uncertain uh, global economic environment with the US-China trade war and then, you know, a recent spate with Malaysia. And there are some sensitivities involved. But having said that, I think 
it's something that I look forward to potentially hearing in the US. Eugene, what might well, it? I, I, for me, I, I would have liked to see something um, more substantial being done uh, towards lifelong learning. Um, you know, so, so in the end, it may not be a big uh, ticket item, um, but I think we, we, we need that constant uh, nudge or, or, or emphasis. You know, that, um, that if we talk about trying to tap uh, you know, technology, if we talk about trying to harness internationalization, um, then I think you know we, we need to possess the sort of uh, skills, mindsets, uh, knowledge, expertise, um, and I think that's where you know uh, that constant emphasis on, on lifelong learning uh, can perhaps you know set us uh, you know on, on, on that stage. You know, so so in, in many ways I see you know how can we empower the individual you know to take advantage of you know so many of these uh, different schemes. You know, and, and in the end, if you think about companies being able to take advantage, you know. You are going back again to the, the the individual, right? The people who make up the company, you know, if they possess the the, the, the sort of uh, right attributes, you know, then I think you know uh, the push towards technology or internationalization, uh, I think you know we will be able to, to to take full advantage of them. Well, I think um, I would like to have seen a lot more ownership and empowerment. I think for three different levels. I think one. In terms of the skills training, I, I would have liked to see a top-up to the initial $500 a skills future because I think that sends the right signal to the individual on training. And I think in terms of even the corporates themselves, um, you know, there are all these schemes that are in place, so it's not new per se. You know, but if you had said you wanted to grow, I don't know, how many local champions or you want to say these are the local champions that have uh, committed to uh, some sort of mentorship to bring up the rear in terms of the SMEs, that's sending a very strong signal. So even in terms of like healthcare, we get a whole swath of like new subsidies for chairs, etc., Medeca, etc. But where's the preventive element coming in? And I thought that uh, having a signal on, it may not necessarily be a sugar tax, but you know to say that companies and individuals have to take ownership of how they want to improve their health. Uh, it can be through sugar, it can be through less fast food, I don't know, anything. Um, but I think that, that kind of uh, empowerment, that kind of partnership idea, ownership, I think would be very, very important for individuals and companies. For me, I think um, there has been a lot of focus on embracing technologies. And, um, but we don't get to see you know, a lot of um, things being put, initiative being put into place to assist enterprise to actually adopt technologies, especially the new technologies. And I, I would have hoped that, you know, more emphasis would be um, put upon, you know, trying to build an ecosystem, for example, to facilitate, to deepen capabilities and, and really, you know, um, using also tax incentive to sort of uh, promote uh, enterprise to basically um, adopt the technologies. So, so I think that, that, that space is a bit lacking. I, I thought um, more focus should be put into uh, looking at um, developing and driving adoptions of technologies. Okay, thank you very much. So we close the panel. Thank you for coming thank you. over. Thank you. Yeah. Read more Budget 2019 news and analysis at bt.sg slash budget19. That was an SPH podcast. Find us on iTunes, Google Podcasts and streaming on Google Home. Do send your feedback to podcast at sph.com.sg. You can also check out more podcasts on various topics at straightscience.com and bt.sg.